All right, if you got your Bible, would you open it to Matthew chapter 11? Matthew is one of the four Gospels that talks about Jesus' life and his ministry, his teaching career. Matthew was an eyewitness to a lot of what happened in Jesus' three and a half years of teaching. So we're going to get there eventually. And uh, as I've always say, it is okay to go to the table of contents to look for Matthew. That's fine. We're going to get there eventually. You can look it up on your smartphone. This is week two in our series, Give Me Some Space. It's not the series. Some of you were in here before service. Here's a little plug for the pre-service. There are things that go on in here to help you get your heart ready for service. And if you were in here in the pre-service, this series is not a Twinkie in a ding-dong world. This, this is actually the series, Give Me Some Space. And we're talking about having some space or some margin in our life. This week, I'm excited. We're talking about Give Me Some Space in my calendar. But as we get into this, I just want to ask you a few questions, and I want you to participate. I would love it if you would give me some feedback. Give me a, a raised hand. Give me an oh, yeah. Let me just ask you some questions, and you respond. How many of you would say, I would just like a little more time in my day to just relax and rest or just to do something I enjoy? Anybody? Give me an oh, yeah, if that's true of you. I want some more time in my day for myself. How many of you would say, I would like some more time in my schedule for the people that I love? Oh, yeah? If you're sitting next to the person you love right now, and you did not say, oh, yeah, <laughs> your day is not going to go well, all right? Give me a little more feedback here. How about this one? How many of you would say, I would like to have a little more time with God, a little more time with the creator of the universe? Oh, yeah? Yeah, that sticky spot on the floor you think is soda? That's the last person who answered that question wrong, so get <laughs> that one right, all right? How many of you would say, just, just be honest, how many of you say, I don't always feel like I have enough time in my life for all the things I have to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I was somebody here, and I won't name who they are. A friend said, "I would love it if I could just sometime take a week of vacation, and I wouldn't go anywhere. Where I would actually go is I would sneak into work, and no one would know I was there, and I could actually get some of the important things done that always get crowded out because you know I've got everybody coming and dumping stuff in my. Anybody else? Yeah, it's crazy, but I understand that. I really do. Let's get honest. And this is a place where you can be, and you don't have to stick your hand up. You don't just have to say, "Oh yeah." How many times do you feel like the really important things in people in your life get squeezed out by all the other demands that are placed on you? Too many times you feel like the things I really want to do, the things I need to do, the people I need to be with, get pushed aside by all the urgent demands of my life. And I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty. It's just a reflection of where our culture is at. We're really busy. Our culture today applauds cramming things into our schedules and making ourselves so busy and so crazy. And, and we all do it. So we've all been there. And we all understand that. And here's the kind of thing I brought out last week. It's in the top of your worship folder. Which, by the way, there's a place in there to take notes if that helps you remember and, and think about this stuff. When we live life at that pace where we're just totally scheduled out and financially we're kind of at the ceiling of our capacity, when we li live life at that pace, eventually the pressures and demands of life will exceed our capacity every time. You know, we talk about having space in your life. It's kind of like when you're following a car too closely and they stop. Bad things happen. And it's, just, it's a matter of time. Andy Stanley, I heard something he said several years ago. It's always resonated with me. Andy Stanley is a pastor down in Georgia. He said, if you live your life at the limit, eventually you will cease to enjoy life. If, you're, if you attempt to get the most out of life, you're going to lose control of your life. In your attempt to make as much progress as possible, what you do is you trade in your peace for progress. Anybody relate to that? Hey, we all get it. So I guess the question is, what do we do about it? Which is why I've been so, I, I can't tell you how excited I've been about talking about this series for a long time now because I truly believe that this is one of those things that if you will listen to what Jesus has to say and you will take this seriously, 
you can find this being a turning point in your life. This may be a point that you look back and go, my whole life changed because of some of this stuff. You, some of you, may feel true freedom for the first time ever in your life. If you can just embrace some of the things that we're talking about here. And here's the thing. This is like the, the whole thing of the sermon today or the message. The answer to busy, busy, busy is not finding more time in your schedule. What you really need is space. You really don't need all this more time. And when I say space, what am I talking about? Well, several years ago, a, a guy named Dr. Richard Swenson wrote a great book called Margin. You know what margin is, right? It's that place in the paper you're not supposed to write. <laughs> it's, the, it's the buffer between you and the next car in front of you. Space or margin, he defines it this way, I think, or this is just kind of a summary of how he describes it. It's the, the gap between your current pace and your maximum pace. In terms of your finances, it's like, here's how much money I have, and here's how much I'm spending. And the, hopefully there's a gap there between, and we're talking about this next week, that gap, that's your space, that's your margin, that's your breathing room. Here's how much time I have, and we all have the same amount of time. Here's how much time I'm committed to be somewhere. That space in between, that's, that's margin. And margin is good. Margin gives you some breathing room. It, it doesn't make you crazy. And space, that's the thing that a lot of us lack. It's so much better with space. But here's, here's the implications of having space in your calendar. You have time in your calendar you see somebody who has a need, you can actually stop and help them. And you don't have to say, look, I'm sorry, I'd love to do something for you, but I'm way too busy. I don't have time for this today. Having some space in your calendar means you don't get irritated when something doesn't go right or when somebody's late or when somebody does something that changes everything for you. Having some space in your calendar means you're actually listening to your kids when they talk to you and you're not working on something else in your mind. And they know, they know you're not really there, you know. Having some space in your calendar means you're not constantly arguing with your spouse because you haven't had time just to connect. You see how this could be? Having space in your calendar means you have time to connect with the creator of the universe, that you have time with God just to sometimes just sit and meditate and reflect. And some of you are like, I don't even know what that would be like. I don't even know what I would do. Space is the very thing a lot of us don't have, and space and the lack of it often shows up in our lives. And it, it's why we're so harried, and it's why we're so hurried, it's why we're so distracted. And I have to ask a question, and I want you to think about this. Why is it true that our lives lack so much in this regard? Now, if you are a Christian this morning, I'm talking to you. So if you're here and you said, I've never become a Christian, I'm not, you're off the hook. You, you can listen in if you want, but right now I'm talking to those of you who said, I've surrendered my life to Jesus, I'm a Christian, I've been baptized. Considering what Jesus said he came here to do, why is your life like that? not asking you to feel guilty. I'm just, here's, here's my point. Jesus said something to his followers that he promised to give us. We're not going to get to Matthew yet. This is actually in the Gospel of John, another eyewitness of Jesus' life. John 10.10, 10, John wrote down something Jesus said. He said, a thief only comes to kill and steal and destroy. Now I, Jesus said, I came to give you life and, and give it to you to the fullest. And for me, I just love this because I love it when Jesus is very clear. Let me be honest, there's some times that I don't understand what Jesus meant <laughs> when he said something. I love it when Jesus tells me exactly what to do, and I love it when I understand what he means. This was pretty unambiguous. Jesus said, there are some who come to destroy your life. That's not why I came. If you want to know why I came in a nutshell, boom, here it is. I came to give you something. I came to give you life, and not just ordinary life. I came to give you full life. Is that the kind of life you feel like you've got? Christians? I love how Jeff Walling, he's a pastor, I love how he describes this verse. He said several years ago, he went to McDonald's 
Don't judge. He went to McDonald's and he ordered the, the sullen teenager in front of the register. I guess it was like a quarter pounder with cheese value meal. All right, punches in, he pays for it. The other sullen teenager working there brings his tray over and sets it down on the counter in front of him. And Jeff said, something was like wrong. I'm looking at the tray and I said to the teenager across the counter, do those fries look full to you? And the teenager's like, what? what? <laughs> I'm just asking, they just kind of look a little light on the fries. In a moment, the manager was over there. Sir, is there a problem? And Jeff said, I was just asking your stellar employee here if there was something wrong with the fries. They look a little light. Is this fry box full? The manager must have been having a day. Because he just looked at Jeff for a second, looked down at the fries, looked back up at Jeff and said, no, sir, those fries are not full. Picked up the tray, went over to the fry station, over by the drive-up window, you know. Picked the silver scoop up, grabbed a scoop of fries. Jeff said, I couldn't believe what I saw next. He took my fry box and he pushed a whole nother serving of french fries into the box, but he wasn't done. He scooped another scoop and he put that in there. The box is now bulging with fries, but he was still wasn't done. He put the fry box back on the tray, took a third scoop and showered it over the fry box. Walked back over. Sir, those fries are full. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> Everybody else in line's like, hey, my fries aren't full either. Look, give me some of that. You know what I think Jesus wants to look at us and say? I came to give you a full box of, I gave you a full, where are your fries? I gave you a full life, where is it? And we're like, hey, Jesus, look at my life. I can't cram one more thing into my life. He says, that's not what I meant when I said I wanted to give you a full life. In fact, I think Jesus would look at many of our lives and the way we've scheduled ourselves and overscheduled ourselves and overcommitted ourselves to so many things that we're running here and there. He'd say, I see the fingerprints of the one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy all over your life. That's not the life I came to give you. Again, Christians, I've got to ask why. What happened that got us to this point that we could honestly say the really important things in my life get pushed out by other things? How does that happen? You ever driven a car that's out of alignment? That's fun, right? driving and if you do not constantly have your hands on the wheel you're like going to go off the interstate it just does you just pulls off to the side sometimes cars are out of alignment you just constantly have to fight that because it's something wrong with the car it's not always that though back 2007 it was in june of 2007 we got a new car literally the next day we got in the car to go on vacation we're going to go to mount rushmore anybody ever been there we went through kansas city up through iowa got to south dakota and we took a left we're going west on Interstate 90. If you've been up there, you know there is nothing. It's like a little house on the prairie. It's flat and grass and wind. Lots and lots of wind. I'm driving along, and I'm like, what in the world? This is a brand new car. It cannot be out of alignment. I mean, like, it literally, if I took my hand off the wheel, it would immediately go like this. It was the wind pushing against our car, just constantly across. I swear by the time we got to Rapid City, South Dakota, this forearm was twice as big as this one. It's trying to fight the car to keep it on the interstate. I'm going to use an analogy here. I think sometimes there's something within us that causes us to drift away from God. We are out of alignment with God. The Bible calls it the sinful nature. If you're not a Christian, you may push back and say, I don't know if I believe that or not. Wouldn't you all acknowledge that there's something within us that pulls us away from God? There's also something outside of us, like the wind pushing the car, and our culture says this is a great way to live life. 
So we're fighting against something within us. We're fighting against something outside of us that's pulling us away from God. And if that happens to you, and if you don't fight against it and you don't recognize it, you're going to have a life that does not have any space, any margin, any gap, any breathing room, and you're going to find yourself frustrated and hurried, and you're not really going to experience the true life that Jesus said he came to give us. So what do we do with that? Look, if I'm right about this, actually I should just say, if the Bible is correct about all of this, the answer is not in getting more time in your schedule. Because if you got more time in your schedule, you just wouldn't use it the right way because you're already probably not using the time that you've got well. The answer is not more time in our calendars. It's more complicated than that. Again, let's just, just be honest. You don't have to give me an oh yeah and you don't have to raise your hand, but what if God just said to you, I'm going to give you one extra hour today. Bam, you've got 25 hours. Everybody else has 24. Bonus. <laughs> what would you do with that extra hour? Seriously? The answer to that is, what have you already done with times when somebody just canceled an appointment, your move meeting got moved? You have an unexpected hour to eight hours of time that you didn't know was going to be free, and now it's free. What did you do with that extra time when you had it? Did you spend some glorious time with the creator of the universe just meditating on God's word and praying? Did you spend some time with family? No, probably what you did do, just be honest, you, you caught up on work email or projects, you, uh, you scheduled something else, you binged on Netflix. If God gave you an extra hour, would you really use it on the important things? I'm not so sure I would, just to be honest. Just look at what we already do with the time that God gives us. So what is the solution here? Now, if you think, I'm going to tell you, like, okay, here it comes. He's going to tell me I've got to chop this out of my world, and I've got to chop this out of my calendar. It's not. Ironically, the answer to this is to add some things into your calendar, not to take some things away. I told you we're going to get to Matthew. Get your Bible, Matthew chapter 11. Let's go down here to verse 28. This is something Jesus taught. Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary, burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, let's break this down. First thing, if you're writing this down, you can. Um, Jesus is suggesting that we would schedule intentional time with him. Take your calendar, schedule some intentional time with Jesus. Add it in there. Intentional time with God, the creator of the universe. And make it like a daily part of your life. A daily part of your day. Because here's why. If our hearts truly are out of alignment with God and if we are naturally drawn off course by something within us or if the, the forces around us and the pressure and the people who have so many expectations of us are pushing us away from God, we have to constantly correct against that by making time for God and putting it in your calendar, literally writing it in there if you have to to make it happen. Jesus said it this way. He said, take my yoke upon you. And you guys are smart people. You know what a yoke is. It's in your mind, are you picturing oxen pulling a plow in a field, right? You're thinking, great, Jesus is more work, more demands, more things to feel guilty about because I'm not doing them, right? That's not what Jesus is talking about here. <coughs> Jesus is saying, you've already got a yoke on you. You've already got a lot of demands and expectations and pressures. It doesn't fit you very well. 
take that yoke off and try the one I've got for you. It's much more appropriate for your life. It's uh, talking about a new way of living, learning from Jesus how to live your life the way God wants you to. You may want to write this down. This may be one of the most important things you hear today. (coughs) There's always enough time in your day to do everything God wants you to do. There is never enough time in your day to do all the things everybody else expects you to do. (coughs) If you feel that way, I want you to remember this picture you're about to see here. Maybe your life feels a little bit like this. And this is not Photoshopped. This is, you can go to Snopes. This is true. That sec- the, picture on the, the picture on the right is from a newspaper article. <laughs> this is a Volkswagen Jetta. And you can see the car is still running. See the smoke coming out of the exhaust? I don't know if you can see in the picture. Can you see the woman in the passenger seat with her eyes closed? I don't know if she's asleep or if she's got her eyes closed thinking about what she's going to do to her husband when she gets home. This guy, with his Volkswagen Jetta, went to Home Depot and tried to use it as a truck. He went in, he got, you can see all the wood piled on top. How did that go? Two flat tires, and what you can't see are the back struts or pop through the floorboard. Now that's great, you know, because at Home Depot, he comes in, he buys a little stuff, and the guys at Home Depot, where's your truck? Oh, take, put it on the car. No. Yeah, it'll, it'll work. Okay, they finally made him sign a waiver before they did this. So it, what you can't see, not only is there the wood on top of the car, There are eight 80-pound bags of cement in the back seat. There's over 3,000 pounds of stuff in and on this car. What's the capacity of a Volkswagen Jetta? Less than 3,000 pounds, I'm guessing. There's always enough time in your day to do all the things God wants you to do. There is never enough time in your day to do all the things everybody else expects you to do. Jesus says, look, take that off. Try my yoke. I've got a new way of living, and you're going to love it. It's suitable to you. I find this fascinating. Again, I'm talking a lot to Christians. You may find this helpful if you're not, but uh, I find it fascinating that the most important part of your life is the first thing to get squeezed out of your life. There may be no thing in your life that has more power to change your life that you have control over than time with God. Daily time just praying, reading your Bible, it can influence your spiritual maturity like nobody's business. And you have control over whether you do that or not. And that's the first thing we chuck. I'm too busy to pray. I I haven't had a quiet time and I don't know when. I I don't remember last time I read my Bible outside of church. Why is that? I'm just too busy. I'm with Bill Hybels here. I think you're too busy not to pray. And I some of you, I I can see the look on your face like, oh yeah, it's great for you, preacher. You you work on Sundays. I don't even know what you do the rest of the week. You've got all kinds of time to pray. We, we live in the real world, and it doesn't work like that. No. Everybody. And I live in the real world, too. I've got as many pressures and demands as you do. You need to schedule this. This is important. Last week, I challenged you to take five minutes every day. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands how many of you did this, but I assume you did. Five minutes just to, to have a conversation with God about the pace of your life. Here's what I want you to do this week. Double it. 10 minutes every day. You can do this. 10 minutes. Just take your Bible. Read a, read a page or a chapter. Pray. You say, well, okay, there's, there's a minute and a half. What do I do for the other eight and a half minutes? Just sit with God and, and think and reflect and meditate. I think you'll find this is a game changer for you when you schedule intentional time with Jesus into your, your life. Here's the next thing I would point out that Jesus talks about here. You need to schedule intentional times of rest. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and you're burdened. He's saying, come to me, all of you who are 
just so stressed out, you don't even know what you're going to do. Come to me, all you single parents who are doing the job of two people. Come to me, all of you who are at the end of your financial world. Come to me, all of you who have been deeply disappointed. And I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you what? Rest. Rest for your soul. It's interesting. <laughs> Jesus is just saying, look, just, just take some time and stop. Which is, again, ironic that one of the first things to go when we get really busy is a day off. I don't have time to, to stop. Which is crazy. I think God knows a little bit about things. <laughs> he created everything. What, how long did God take to create the world? Genesis 1. Six days, seven days. What did he do on that seventh day? He rested. Was he grumpy and tired? Man, I am just plum tucker from creating the world. I got to take a break. No, no, he didn't do that for himself. He did that for us. He's trying to create a pattern and a model here. Six days you work, take a day off. Work again, take a day off. It's a good pattern for life. In fact, he even put it in the Ten Commandments so we'd get it. Take the Sabbath, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy, which we kind of, people flipped it around. They're like, okay, I got to do this to oblige God. Jesus said, no, people aren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath's made for you. It's a gift from God to you. Take a day and just honor God and rest. Eat good food. Be with your family. Just rest. And we're like, I don't even know how to do that. I don't remember last time I did that. Why? God said to. (laughs) Jesus, God even took it a step further. The Old Testament. When God had the people of Israel and he was trying to show through them what, what life should be like and could be like, he told them, like, you work six years on the seventh year, I want you to not do anything. If you're a farmer, you can plant and harvest six years. Seventh year, don't plant anything. Live off what I gave you the six years before. And some of you are like, I can't even take a day off, much less a year. How would I ever survive? I think what God's trying to do here is to teach us that, the, that our survival doesn't depend on our effort. It's an illusion if you think it does. Hey, work hard. I'm not advocating the four-letter word lazy here. I'm just saying that it really doesn't all depend on us. We can trust God to provide for us if we take a break and take a, take a rest. You're not being lazy or irresponsible. In fact, I find it ironic that the way our culture has gone, you actually have to kind of describe what a day off actually is to people because they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I was reading a great article by a guy named David Cain. I don't have any idea about his faith background. I don't know if he's a Christian or not. He was talking about a day off, and he was talking about it in kind of the context of a Sabbath. So I don't know if he's Jewish, but he was talking about when he was a kid, he remembers that his dad never took a day off. He said, I get up and I go to the couch to watch cartoons. My dad was already midpoint through his day. He said in the article, I think the idea of taking a day off where dad didn't build, organize, or somehow other try to advance his life was kind of foreign to him. I've always got to be doing something. I don't want to be lazy. So David Cain said, a proper day off isn't an invitation for laziness or shirking of responsibilities. It, a day off is a day for exploring certain other responsibilities. Being a relaxed and present friend, parent, son, daughter, stranger, it's a time for being a grateful member of civilization. He's tapping into something God's saying, I, I want to give you rest. It is not good for you to schedule yourself all the way up to the point of exhaustion and never take a day. You're acting like the pagans do who believe there is no God who looks after them and cares about them. What would it be like in your world to have a little space in your calendar? A little margin? A little rest? A little time with the people that you love and the God who loves you? How could that be a game changer for you if you started trusting God to take care of you and just put 
the work aside, put the phone aside, turn the TV off, and just be. Jesus says, I came to give you rest. Not what you've done to yourself. You know, and ultimately, I think what Jesus said I came to do is to give you rest from everything. And for some of you who, you say, I'm not a Christian, maybe today's the day you do something about that. And Jesus can give you rest from guilt. It says, I've, I've done things that are wrong. He can give you rest from shame that says, I'm not good enough. He can give you rest from fear that wonders what's going to happen to you. And that's what salvation is all about, Jesus fixing everything that's wrong with the world and wrong with us. Why not say yes to that? Would you stand with me and let's pray? Father, thank you for today. Thank you for loving us and giving us this insight that we maybe never would have come to on our own. Help us to trust you. Help us to believe what you say that you can be counted on and relied upon and that your love is real. And I pray you would teach us to live a new way of life that, that honors you and, and um, just shows our trust. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.